Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and watching this. I think we have a very interesting program coming up today. This is one where you are going to be challenged and I want you to challenge me on this. I am going to throw some things at you that I believe can hold up to scrutiny and I want the scrutiny because I, 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 this is something where, um, I'm not a hundred percent. I do not think I know it all. And I've got some people who watch me online who freak out when I, even when I cast doubt, even on my own position on some things, because some things were, they're not as sure as we think they are. They are established truths in the crowds that we run with, but at the same time, have we sufficiently given proof that these things are in fact true? You know, are we acting like the pre-tribbers and the dispensationalists even in our world? I think we do sometimes. And so don't get mad when I do that. Just deal with it. And let's, you know, let's see if some of these things can hold up the scrutiny. And so we're going to do that today. But before we get into the subject and the details of it, I do want to put out a couple of things. If you could all help me with the program, I am I'm so thankful for all those who have helped share this, promote it. Uh, people that have donated, uh, man, that's, that's a huge blessing and encouragement. And so one thing I would, I, I'm hoping this next year to have the best year ever on this program and to really get the word out, have a bunch of guests. I've got some people I'm trying to get on the show right now, and, uh, we're going to have a great year in 2024 on the spirit of prophecy podcast. But if you could help me in making YouTube shorts, if we've got some creative video editors out there, that can help me make some uh, YouTube shorts that can really help uh, get the channel out there. If you can, uh, but if you can take some preaching clips, pre you know, preferably related to prophecy and stuff in this program um, and send those to me, that would be a big blessing and a help. Um, even if it's on stuff that's not prophecy, I can always use them on my other channel too. But um, I, I do my best to try to be creative on those things, but I'm pretty limited in my abilities in that area, trying to do better. But if you could help me, I would appreciate that. Also too, I'm, I would really like to improve uh, some of the quality, the look and everything. I am also not gifted in that area. Don't really know what I'm doing when it comes to lighting and all these different things. Uh, but uh, I would like to see if I could maybe, you know, pay somebody like brother Paul Wittenberger to come out and help me with that. But his time is very valuable, especially right now with him working on this documentary. I'd want to be a blessing to him. But if you uh, would be able to donate and uh, give towards that, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. We're obviously very limited on uh, resources here, uh, financially speaking. Uh, typically, the donations that come, it goes into our missions fund that's funding some of our soul winning trips and things that we're doing. But if you would like to give specifically towards this podcast, then it makes it easy to justify spending money on, on the podcast. So if you could do that, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. And I do appreciate all those who have helped. Uh, it really does mean a lot to me and to our church. Uh, we're very encouraged by that and it keeps me motivated. So uh, those are a couple areas where you can help so we can have an awesome year in 2024 and just keep getting the truth out there and just destroying dispensationalism and all the false doctrine that goes with it. So anyway, I do want to get into today's subject for today's program. And uh, I think it will uh, definitely be a challenging one 
for you. And we are going to talk about this whole concept of dual fulfillments. Okay, dual fulfillments. Now, what are, there are people, I talked to a prophecy guy one time, pretty well known, who said to me, there's no such thing as dual fulfillments. And, and that kind of shocked me. And he brought up some stuff that was, you know, okay, I, I see what you're saying. But at the same time, you know, what he was debunking about dual fulfillments is not what I mean when I talk about dual fulfillments. I'm not sure that the term dual fulfillment is the most, um, I think it can be somewhat misleading when we say that. But let uh, hopefully by the end of this program, you'll understand my thinking when it comes to dual fulfillments. I probably need to call it something other than that. But most people, when I hear them talk about dual fulfillments, I know what they mean, and I probably agree with them. But uh, I want to be very specific on what I believe a dual fulfillment is. And uh, I think I can prove that I think I can prove this from scripture because we have precedent where we have seen dual fulfillments take place before. And I believe that it is okay when it comes to things that I believe are in the future to use how things were fulfilled in the past as precedent for how I believe things will be fulfilled in the future. But uh, I do think there's a very specific way this needs to be explained. And I want to do this too, because there are, there are many people in what uh, many would call the preterist world or the partial preterist world um, who I believe are right in their, uh, in the way they spiritualize certain passages of scripture, not in everything, but I do believe there are certain things that they would spiritualize from the book of revelation, from the Olivet discourse, where I think they're actually right. Okay. Where in the futurist world, you know, we are more, we would say we are more literal on these things. I also believe that we are right. Here's where I believe the preterists are in error. Here's where I believe we are in error. I think the preterists are in error when they deny the future physical manifestation of these things. I think the futurists are wrong when they deny the previous spiritual fulfillment of these things. And I think that's the way we got to look at dual fulfillment. I think you got to look at a spiritual fulfillment and a physical fulfillment. That's that, And then that's where real fulfillment is. So if you want to call that dual fulfillment, I guess you can. Here's what I don't really believe about dual fulfillments. I don't believe a prophecy is fulfilled. And then is fulfilled again and is fulfilled again. Uh, or, I, I don't think that's the way to look at it. No, I think there is a spiritual fulfillment and a physical fulfillment that takes place. And, and I want to give some illustration of that. Uh, and then I want to throw out some things that I'm hearing people from that world say about revelation that I think, man, I think you're probably right in how you are spiritualizing this passage, but I don't think that means that we're wrong. Okay. And so for me to claim that, you know, to make this claim that no, there's still a future fulfillment when it had a past fulfillment, I got to show some precedent for that. Okay. And that's what I want to do in this, in this program today. So before I get into some of the things about revelation, let me just go ahead and kind of start with certain precedent. All right. Let me show you a few things that are spelled out for us in the scripture that are just facts. And I think the, this is the mindset that we need to have 
when looking at prophecy. So let's look at Galatians 4, 21. It says, tell me ye that desire to be under the law. Do you not hear the law? For it is written, Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendered the bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answered to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise, but is then he that was born after the spirit persecuted him that was born, sorry, but he, as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. So notice that way back in Genesis, we see this story of Ishmael mocking Isaac. And we see in the New Testament that that was an allegory. That was a picture of the children of the flesh. Sorry, dispensationalists, the Jews persecuting Isaac, the children of promise, the Christians, the believers. That was an allegory of that. God told that story ahead of time of something that was going to be in the future. So in, in a in a literal event that took place with Ishmael and Isaac, God recorded that, that in the scripture because it was a picture of something that was going to happen one day, a battle between the children of flesh, the Jews, and the children of promise, the Christians. And understand, Isaac, those who are of Isaac are the children of promise, those who are of faith, okay? So God does stuff like that in the scriptures because God declares the end from the beginning. So we see the Bible get way ahead of things quite a bit because God has always had a plan. God has always known what was going to happen. Another thing that we see in Romans chapter four, in, uh, it says in verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So notice how God called Abraham a father of many nations before he had it, before his children were born, before he, any of these nations happened. God said these things before they even happened. You know why? Because on that day, God spiritually declared Abraham a father of many nation. When God declares something spiritually, when something happens spiritually, that is how God sees it. Now, the physical manifestation did not come until many, many, many years later, okay? Thousands of years later, okay? That, that's still being fulfilled today, but God saw it as fulfilled spiritually. Once it was determined that it was going to happen with Abraham, God saw it that way. Once it was determined, God immediately saw it that way spiritually, but no one would say that physically it had been fulfilled on that day. No one would say that it's that's still being fulfilled as more people come to faith in Jesus Christ and become children, uh, children of Abraham as a result of that. So keep that in mind that often in the scriptures, what we see, we're looking at how God sees things. 
and God sees things in a spiritual light. And we all, and so when God sees something spiritually, the Bible often declares it as that right then, right now on that day, but it doesn't mean there is not a physical manifestation of that coming in the future. For example, in our own personal lives, when you believed on Christ, you immediately got saved. Your spirit was immediately regenerated. And the Bible says, behold, now are we the sons of God? And it yet doth not yet appear what we shall be. So right now, God, God sees us as righteous. Think about it. God sees us as righteous. Are you righteous right now? Spiritually, you are. Physically, you are not. Nobody denies these things. Okay. So, so what I'm about to show you in prophecy, we have precedent in our own personal lives, you know, for this to show that what I'm about to show you is very consistent. I am spiritually a son of God. I am spiritually righteous right now, but it doth not yet appear what I shall be. I will, without a doubt, 100% for sure, have the physical manifestation of that in the future, but it doesn't change the fact that God who declares the end from the beginning sees me as that right now. That's a fact. I don't think anybody listening to this program uh, would deny what I'm telling you right there. So we're, we see an order, spiritually first, physically later. We often see this in Bible prophecy. Let's go back to the very beginning. Okay, you could, you could say this was the first prophecy in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. What does it say there? It says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That's a prophecy right there. And it was, it was a warning prophecy. It was, you know, and it's one that Adam, sure enough, he went against God. And so he got the negative prophecy. Okay. Cause if he wouldn't have eaten the tree, he wouldn't have died. But the day he ate thereof, it says the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. But read the scriptures. Adam didn't die for another 930 years physically, but spiritually he died on that day. Spiritually God's God banished him from the garden. God removed him from the garden. You know why? Because on that day, God saw him as dead spiritually. And sure enough, 930 years later, he catches up with his uh, spiritual state, you could say, physically, where he physically died. Now, I believe Adam got saved, uh, but at the same time, there was a physical manifestation. He still died because he sinned. And we will die because of sin, even if we're saved, unless uh, we're here uh, for the return of Christ. So, um, so yeah, Adam died spiritually first, died physically later. We were regenerated spiritually first, and we will be physically later. So do you see the order spiritual and then physical? God often speaks of those things that be not as though they are. God speaks of those things as they are spiritually. So I am saved. I am a son of God, but I have not received the physical manifestation. I've not received the changed body. And so that's how it was in many prophecies. They were that same way where there, there is, there's a, there's a, a spiritual 
and there's a physical that comes later. And so, um, you know, and, and, and let's not mistake that too for foreshadowings. Okay. I do believe, I think that is a separate thing. So for example, let's look at a foreshadowing in Genesis. Uh, let me get it on the screen in Genesis chapter 22. Okay. I don't believe that this here is a, an example of a dual fulfillment. I think this is an example of a foreshadowing. I think, I think we got to make sure we put these in the right category. So it says, um, I think I'm in the wrong passage here. Genesis. Okay. Yeah. Genesis 22, seven, not 17 it says, and Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now, without a doubt, that story right there was a literal story of something that happened with Abraham and Isaac, where God provided a, a lamb instead of Abraham's son, Isaac. Okay. That was a literal event that happened, but it foreshadowed. Okay. It was a foreshadowing of something that was going to happen in the future where God would provide a lamb, Jesus Christ, who would pay for the sins of the whole world. We have many things like that. That's what I showed you in Galatians chapter four. So there's, there's, there are, there are things that foreshadow future events. And when those foreshadowings take place, I don't think we should call them fulfillments. Okay. I don't believe the prophecy of God providing himself a lamb was fulfilled on that day. Okay. But at the same time, it, but it was foreshadowed on that day. The prophecy was fulfilled in the future when Jesus Christ came and offered up himself. And so we, we there's, there's, you know, we've, we've got to figure out those categories. There, so there's foreshadowings, but then there are fulfillments. And so when, uh, when it's a fulfillment, I think that's an example of when we see the spiritual take place and then a physical take place later as well. And so we've got some more examples that we'll look at, but, um, so how about Genesis chapter six and verse three? Okay. Now, uh, what does it say in Genesis chapter six and verse three? Let me get it up on the screen so you can see it, it says, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that. He also is flesh yet. His days shall be 120 years. Okay. Now, I think there's a, I think there's a couple things we can see here. One, I think God was going to shorten the lifespan of man, which he did. We see them living much longer before the flood, but after the flood, we see uh lifespan go down greatly. However, too, I believe what that literally meant is God saying, man's got 120 years left. I, I think that's what that's clearly saying in that passage. God was saying in 120 years, I'm going to destroy man. And, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah ends up building an ark and God ended up sparing him and saving him. So we have a lot of things like that, where it's like, you kind of have a, uh, you know, there's kind of like a double meaning there. Um, and so we do, I believe 120 years later, a flood came, God destroyed man, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but God also shortened 
uh, the lifespan to around that time. And, you know, you don't really see people living to be much more than 120. It, that rarely, rarely happens where they even get up. They get up to that age. So we do. We have things like that. God providing his lamb. Uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter 7 and vor verse 14. All right. We're, in, we're going into the Christmas season. So let's talk about this. This is a famous prophecy. But notice it says, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. So wait a minute. Um, is that about Jesus or is that about something in that day? Because remember during that day, we have the, the split kingdom. And this is a prophecy. It's kind of against both of those kingdoms. And sure enough, it was a short time later and the land was forsaken of both her kings. What was going on there? Well, God is God, what he was what he was doing in a prophetic way there. He's doing a messianic prophecy, but he's also giving that generation a prophecy showing a rough timeline of how much time was going to pass before the land was forsaken of both of their kings. And so you could say from a time a virgin, a woman who at that point is a virgin, conceives, bears a son before he is, you know, reaches a certain age where he's able to, you know, no good and evil, the land's going to be forsaken both her kings. And so you can say there was kind of a spiritual fulfillment that took place immediately during that day. But physically, there literally was a virgin who conceived and bared a son and they called him Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. It that physically happened spiritually. It did. It kind of happened back then, but physically it literally took place 700 years later. So we see that kind of thing a lot in the scripture where there is, there is an immediate spiritual fulfillment, but then later there is a literal physical fulfillment as well. And I, I believe in the futurist world, there's a lot of things that we have missed out on. There's a lot of things that, um, you know, where we've just not done a good job um, showing these truths that are great spiritual truths in Bible prophecy, because we're all so focused on our future, our beliefs about the future. And unfortunately, many people's beliefs about the future are very wrong especially when it comes to all things concerning Israel. There's a ton of error out there and people are working so hard in forcing that into the scripture that they are missing the spiritual fulfillment of these things that has already happened. We're so focused on the physical kingdom of God coming in the future that I do believe in. I do believe in a, a physical are a literal physical return of Christ where he is going to sit on a throne on this earth and he's going to rule this world with earth with a rod of iron. I do believe in that. I, I still believe in that. But at the same time too, there is plenty of scripture proving these things have already taken sp place spiritually. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father. The kingdom of God has come 
spiritually. The kingdom of God is in operation today on this earth. Spiritually, we are a part of that kingdom. We are kings and priests with God. Spiritually, we are seated with him in heavenly places. Spiritually, we have all these things right now and we're not talking enough about these things. And, you know, to the point that sometimes I wonder, you know, just how right are we when it comes to some of these things in the millennium? Because there are so many things that have been fulfilled spiritually that we never, ever, ever talk about. And as a result of that, you've got people in the preterist world or the amillennial world saying, nope, these things have already happened. And, and they're right. Spiritually, they have happened. But um, we've been so focused on our side of the physical manifestation we're not letting people enjoy the spiritual that we should be focused on right now. We absolutely should be focused on these things. And so let's look at a couple more prophecies. There's a lot we can look at. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but um, Zechariah chapter 12. Okay. This is one that we like to argue with the dispensationalists about Zechariah chapter 12 and in verse 10. Okay. Zechariah 12. Oh, hang on a second. I'm getting everything all mixed up on my screen. So it says, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Okay. So the looking on him whom they pierced. Now, listen, John flat out quoted that passage when they looked on him whom they pierced right after they pierced him on the cross. You can't get around that. Okay. They looked on him whom they pierced that happened that on that day, you, you can't get around that. And how was he not pouring out this grace and supplication? He literally was on the cross paying for their sins and literally making supplication for them praying for them, saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How on earth can you claim that that was not fulfilled at the cross? I mean, it blows my mind that people would deny that, but many futurists do deny that. You know why? Because of the fact that it does say in Revelation, you know, behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him and all the kindreds of the world shall earth shall wail because of him. So because it's mentioned in revelation as future, they, the, it can't be talking about what we see there in John, but no, actually both can be true because they literally did look on him whom they pierced that day. They pierced him on that day. He poured out grace and supplication on them on that day. Spiritually, all, all of those, I mean, physically these things, are, are happening on that day too. But at the same time too, Revelation, what we're seeing there is describing something a little different. When it says, Behold, he come with the clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Understand that that prophecy right there, while similar, okay, just understand this is Christ coming back for vengeance. I don't believe this is a this is an example of a dual fulfillment. I think these are two different prophecies. They We see them looking on him whom they pierced, prophesied of in Zechariah, fulfilled at the cross. 
Now we have, because they rejected Christ as the Messiah, even though he paid for their sins, poured out grace and supplication, prayed for him and everything, their rejection of understand when he comes back and he comes with clouds and they see him, they're going to wail. We don't see grace and supplication being poured out on that day. We see wrath being poured out. You know why? Because that's another prophecy. That's another prophecy. And there, so there are, there's things like that where there's similar, there's similarities, but they're different as they're, they're different and they're different for a reason. And so we just got to understand, uh, there are, there are examples of foreshadowings. There's examples of, uh, the dual fulfillments, meaning there was a spiritual, immediate spiritual fulfillment, and then a later physical fulfillment. But then there's also things too where things are happening again as with a different outcome because of judgment that's coming. And I think that in the, you know, Christ pouring out grace and supplication, that was done on the cross. Next time he's coming with eyes as a flame of fire, he's coming in vengeance, he's coming for destruction, and that's what's going to happen. So, um, again, there are, these things shouldn't be foreign to us. We see in Romans 10, 13, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That immediately happens spiritually, but we will be saved physically in the future. Romans 13, 11 says, and that knowing the time, it is now high time to wake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed that's the physical manifestation, but we already have the spiritual um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is, an, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Okay? Is that physical or spiritual? Well, of course it's spiritual. We, didn't get a new, we don't get a new body immediately on salvation. We still have the same old flesh, and Paul talked about that a lot. But immediately, we become a new creature spiritually. All things become new spiritually. We are now a spiritual man. We are able to discern spiritual things, but physically it will happen too. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Uh, how about first Corinthians 15 verse 54 it says, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. Um, the grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Has uh, that happened yet or has it not happened? Well, spiritually, it already has happened. Physically, it happens when Christ returns. But spiritually, we're already there, okay? Spiritually, we already have these things. Again, spiritually, we're, we are seated in heavenly places. But I believe one of these days, we'll physically be seated in heavenly places as well. There's so many examples like this that we can look at. We see John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said in her, I am the resurrection life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Hey, so folks, we will never, if we believe on him, we will never die spiritually. But did you know a day is going to come where we will never die again, physically? We all, we all believe in that. So it is not 
a foreign concept to say when it comes to eschatology that there was a spiritual fulfillment that took place in the first century, but there is a physical fulfillment that is going to come in the future. And so what do we mean by that? Well, obviously we're not going to take the time to go through all of the book of Revelation, but let me just kind of, uh, let me, let me kind of throw a few things at you. I'm looking right now, it's just kind of through my notes because I've got a bunch of things here, but I don't want to uh, take time to go through all of it. So, all right, yeah, so Revelation, okay? We have on one, in the preterist camp, you have people saying the prophecies were all fulfilled in the first century, okay? But then in the futurist camp, no, nope, we're going to ignore 70 AD. We're going to ignore all the things that happened. We're going to ignore how Jesus said, you know, all his references to this generation. We're going to ignore all that. And we're going to make it all about the future. Here, here's what I believe uh, took place. Okay. Cause uh, let me, if I may use um, the idea or the concept, and I'm going to lose some of you with this, but that's okay. Cause some of your knuckleheads, but the concept of Jerusalem being Babylon. Okay. That that's one people like to argue about. And that is something I am leaning more and more towards that all the time. Not a hundred percent there yet, but let me, let me explain a few things to you. Those on the, who are in the camp, the preter, um, most preterist I know, and I, and I hate using that term. A lot of people who uh, believe things were fulfilled probably don't like that term, but I don't know what else to call them. So I'm going to use that term. Um, but they, most of them believe that the prophecies of the destruction of Babylon was prophetic about the destruction of Jerusalem. Okay. Now here's, here's where people scoff at that idea because in the prophecies of the destruction of Babylon, we see how it's never going to be inhabited again. Well, Jerusalem for sure it's been, it's, it's inhabited right now. So that doesn't really work, right? Well, hang on a second, hang on a second because the destruction of Jerusalem what was that spiritually? All right. Obviously there was a physical destruction that took place. There was the, the temple was destroyed physically. All these things did physically happen, but there was a spiritual message there as well. And when, and, and so I, I think this is uh, pretty clear. And I think people historically have understood this too. The destruction of Jerusalem, it did, it showed a finality of the nation of Israel of the meaning, the things of the temple, you know, um, God was done with the physical nation. God was done with the physical city. We don't have a capital city anymore. We don't have a physical temple anymore. God finished with all those things. Remember in Hebrews, he said that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. And so Men like uh, Pastor Chuck Baldwin, I think he does a very good job and I enjoy listening to him talk about revelation and what all took place spiritually with the destruction of Jerusalem and where we are today spiritually in the new covenant. The kingdom of God is here. The new covenant is here. I agree with all that and it is a glorious thing and the glory exceeds all those things of the old covenant. I think he's right when he's preaching all that stuff. 
I agree with that. And so when Jerusalem was destroyed, that did that, that was confirmation. That was proof that God was done with that system. Now, what was wrong with that system? Well, Jerusalem was in fact, as a city, a great whore. And she is described that way many times. You can go back to the prophecies in Jeremiah and it is describing her attire. That's very similar to what we see in Revelation. Um, you know, we see her being described, talking about her harlot, harlotries and her fornications and all those things. Jerusalem was constantly called out for these things. Jesus declared Babylon uh, guilty of the blood of the martyrs. And he declared Jerusalem as guilty of the blood of the martyrs. They were the ones, it was Jerusalem in the name of, in the name of Judaism, in the name of the temple, they were killing Christians during that time. They felt that they were being obedient to that old covenant system. Now they weren't, they were in rebellion. They had perverted it. They had, they had greatly perverted it, but God saw Israel as Babylon or in Jerusalem as Babylon. God saw them as a harlot spiritually that was what they were as a nation as a people they were a great whore and god destroyed them in 70 AD spiritually jerusalem has never been used again spiritually as a spiritual leader uh, there has never been another revival in jerusalem again none of these things have ever happened again in that city. And I don't believe they ever will. I don't now the dispensationalists. I just lost them with that. They believe that there's going to be this future revival there. No, the revival that they are all the prophecies about that revival that they all go to were fulfilled in the first century with Pentecost. There was in fact a great revival, um, in, in Israel amongst the Jewish people, but understand as in they, as the nation as a whole, they did apostatize. They apostatized when they rejected the Messiah. They, and they did as a whole, they rebelled. They never repented. Many did, uh, but as a whole, they did not. And they were destroyed. And so when the Bible says Babylon is fallen, is fallen. I think spiritually they did spiritually. They fell in the first century, but at the same time, it's still there physically. You know, it's, there's, there's still, it's still inhabited. There's still things being done there in the name of Judaism. There's even things being done there in the name of Christianity. There's things being done there in the name of Islam. But you know, all three of those religions have in common, it's all bondage over there. The Christianity over there is not true Christianity. It's idolatrous. It's pagan. It's, there has not been any kind of spiritual revival in Jerusalem. In fact, it's leading to, to more apostasy, even amongst Christians than anything. We have Christians literally supporting the modern antichrist state of Israel. They are supporting it. When Baptist preachers go over to Israel and they get all the propaganda and they see all the things over there, they come back more goofed up on dispensationalism. They come back more goofed up on prophecy. I mean, they come back always cheering on an antichrist religion. What a shame, what a shame that is. The, and, and we're literally seeing that happen. And so there, so God never, and God never will go back to using that nation, that system, what God set up for them, understand they committed whoredoms. 
they were like Hosea's wife. That's how they were. They were like Hosea's wife. They went, they committed fornications. And so as a result, God sees them as Babylon. They were destroyed. And so I believe too, that while they got their spiritual destruction, when God wiped out the temple, when God got, when God removed all those things, I believe in the future that physically things will see a physical manifestation where it will be completely wiped out. You say, what about Christ ruling and reigning and all, all that? Um, there's a new Jerusalem coming. All those things can be fulfilled in new Jerusalem. They don't have to be fulfilled. I mean, just go, go visit that place. And if, if you go visit Jerusalem without your dispensational lenses on your Zionist lenses on, you will see that place for what it really is. It is truly just a wasteland of literally there's tombs everywhere of dead bodies of apostasy of just every wicked evil thing. It is, it is spirit spiritually. It is exactly what we see. Babylon is described at physically just becoming, you know, heaps and dens of dragons and full of all these doleful creatures. Spiritually, that's how it is right now. It is, it is like that spiritually right now. And I believe physically it will be like that one of these days. So I believe all these things that we see in revelation, even if you convince me that it was written before 70 AD, I think, and you know, I think the preterists, some of them make some really good arguments as to a spiritual fulfillment that took place in the first century, but that doesn't mean we're not going to see the physical. I believe that we will see the physical one of these days. I believe Jesus Christ has come and set up his kingdom, but it's spiritual right now. But I believe he will come and set up his kingdom physically in the future. And so when, when you listen to a preterist talking about revelation, they are, they're always spiritualizing things. Now, some things I've heard, I think they're out to lunch on. It's like, you're, you're trying way too hard to spiritualize that. And I'm not saying that there isn't some kind of spiritual fulfillment that has already taken place. I'm just saying, I don't know that they're right on what they're claiming, but I tell you, I've had conversations with some people. Where it's like, I cannot refute what you're saying spiritually. In fact, you're, you're probably right that that did in fact happen spiritually in the first century, but I do believe it will happen again or not happen again, but I believe it will have a physical manifestation in the future. So when I talk about dual fulfillment, okay, that's what I mean. I mean, there was a spiritual fulfillment and there will, there will be a physical fulfillment. I believe when it comes to prophecies about salvation, there's a dual fulfillment. There is an immediate spiritual fulfillment that takes place and there will be a physical fulfillment in the future. And I believe the same thing concerning the kingdom of God, concerning the, the future prophecies. I think you can make a very strong case of all these things spiritually happening in the first century, but I believe they will physically happen in the future. And folks, you, you cannot, there's just some things you can't get away from. There's some things that are just too specific in the book of revelation that it's like, no, these things clearly are specific. You know, um, you know, the most people I'm talking about, they do not deny a literal resurrection, but many do. There are, some, there are some preterists who deny a literal physical resurrection, 
there is absolutely no way to get around a literal physical resurrection. There's too much scripture on it. First Corinthians 15, you can't get around it. There will be a literal fulfillment when it comes to the return of Christ. You cannot get around a literal fulfillment of that. The angel literally told the disciples that he will come again in like manner as he have seen him go into heaven. They physically saw him go into heaven and we will physically see him come back. That's spelled out. We, we can't deny these things and, you know, denying, uh, denying a physical fulfillment of prophetic things is to me, not much different than denying a physical ful ful fulfillment of our salvation. We do believe in a resurrected body. We do believe in a glorified body. We do believe that we will be with Christ on this earth one of these days. We believe, we believe all those things. And so I think it's important for all of us in the, in the futurist world, let's not deny the spiritual to try to prove our, you know, our view of eschatology. No, let's just put things in their proper place. Okay, let's put things in their proper place because right we are, we have many Christians ignoring the fact we are in the kingdom of God right now. Jesus did set up his kingdom. It has been spread. That kingdom has been spreading throughout the whole earth. And we are a part of that. We are Kings and priests with God and we ought to live like it. We ought to act like it. We ought to be victorious. We are victors. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are all these things, no matter what happens to us physically, even if we are, even if we are killed with the sword, okay, we overcame, we are still overcomers because there is a physical resurrection coming. We will rule and reign on this earth physically with Christ one of these days. So spiritually, we are victors right now. We've got to do a better job of teaching that in salvation. We've got too many people sitting in churches questioning their salvation. You know why? Because they're a lot of times because they're not having a physical victory. They're struggling in their flesh. They still desire to sin. Like, am I really saved? Hey, no, you, the new creature is not this new body that doesn't want to sin anymore. The new creature is the spiritual man. Let's teach that. You have that right now. And then teach people to walk in that spiritual man so they won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you've got a lot of Baptists out there making people think they're not saved because their flesh still wants to sin so much. No, let's start talking about where we are spiritually. Spiritually, we are saved. Spiritually, we are regenerated. Spiritually, we are sons of God. Spiritually, we are ruling with Christ in his kingdom right now. Let's act like it. Let's live like it. And let's look forward to a physical manifestation of that that will in fact come. Let's not, let's not take that away from anybody. Let's do a better job of preaching both. And so I encourage challenges on this challenge me on what I, what I'm saying. Okay. Yes. You keep showing me the spiritual fulfillments of what happened in the first century, but I need you to prove to me. We're not going to get the physical manifestation when we have so much precedent going all the way back to the first prophecy. The first prophecy had an immediate spiritual fulfillment and a later physical fulfillment. The first prophecy was like that. I believe that's how prophecies work. And I believe God often in speaking in his word 
speaks of things is as he sees them, which are spiritual. And therefore, they are those things right now. Babylon is fallen right now. Do you understand that? Spiritually, Babylon has already fallen. But I don't believe it has physically. I, I believe the spirit of Babylon, without a doubt, is alive and well. Whether you believe the seed of that is in Jerusalem or the United States or the Vatican, I really don't care. You know, we can we can talk about that. But but uh, you know, but but either way, spiritually, okay, God is done with Jerusalem. God is done. God God's not using that city anymore. God's not using the temple anymore. God's done with all those things. And so I believe physically. You know, that I believe that system is still out there and active in trying to work and it will be completely wiped out, destroyed, uh, just as spelled out in Revelation. So anyway, I hope this, uh, I hope this, you know, all makes sense and is helpful. And, uh, you know, let's, let's put the challenges out there. Okay. While you are showing the spiritual aspects of the kingdom, doesn't mean there's not a physical kingdom coming. You're going to have to prove that there isn't, and you're going to have a tough time with that. I believe God is going to continue following this pattern that we've seen throughout the scriptures. And I believe God speaks to those things that, uh, be not as though they are. And I think we see a lot of that in prophecy. It is spoken as done because it is spiritually done, but it doesn't mean there's not some things to look forward to. So thank you so much for watching this and uh, keep liking, sharing, subscribing, all that good stuff. And we will see you all next time. God bless.